This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hey everyone, welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Today we're jumping back into another character episode with someone who is very near and dear to my heart. He is literally the shadow over my shoulder during every single episode of the Lorecast. He is one of my favorite characters, a villain who's been a mainstay of the Captain America comics for decades. He's the man, the myth, the legend who shot Steve Rogers himself and the character I literally have tattooed on my body. We're talking about crossbones today. Okay, so I gotta ask, and we're gonna kinda, I guess we're gonna explore this as we go into the episode, but my first very big question is, considering his history, why crossbones? I mean, I know, I get it, we all have characters we all attach to, but why? All right, so this kind of goes to where his power set lies. He is simply a peak human. He does undergo some augmentations later on in his um, story progressions. There's even one point where he shoots laser beams out of his face, which, like, that needed to happen. (laughs) The world of comic books, they get weird. But one of the things that I always come back to is he is one of the world's best hand-to-hand combatants. He is very highly skilled at street fighting and brawling, as well as military combat. And he's a master of several forms of martial arts. He was trained at the Taskmaster Academy at the beginning of his mercenary career. And as such gained a lot of extensive skills to the point where he actually became an instructor at that academy. So just the fact that he's more or less just a really badass dude really appeals to me in a character. That he doesn't need extensive powers to still be an intimidating villain. And he's even fought Captain America to a standstill at points. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Uh, considering especially your own personal goals i'm just i mean to have a he's a nazi or, or a neo-nazi depending on your time frame but so i'm surprised that that kind of a character would appeal to to you specifically i think the way that they went with him in the mcu where yes he was a hydra fanatic but also just kind of a military guy involved with the wrong people and in it personal gain. Uh, I liked that. And also, as a fan of Frank Grillo prior to seeing him in these films too, you know, it it kind of made sense for this character to become one that was important to me. And and one that I appreciate uh, throughout his progression in the comics as well. So was he your favorite character because of Frank Grillo or was he your favorite character before Frank? 
um, my first exposure to him was because of Frank Grillo. And then okay. after looking into him throughout the comics and what I was able to find out through the books that I've read and just general internet surfing, I really liked him. And I like kind of how they've continued to bring him back, even though some of the things have been really strange, to say the very least. Um, coming back again to the laser beams and also... Um, sleeping with his boss's daughter oh yeah we'll talk about sin in a second yeah that just i, I don't know i i really I, I appreciate that they they just they really lean into making him not a good dude and they're unashamed of it uh, yeah uh as one of my writer buddies said that your your light your 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 light side characters they shine brighter if you have darker characters in their villains and like, yeah, sure. That's like basic levels of contrast. You have a very, very dark background. Your light shows up pretty well, right? But also in having that specifically against, in this case of Crossbones versus Captain America, like you have Crossbones who does deprave things. And then you've got Paradigm of, of American Virtues. There you go. Yeah. And he's always been that great foil because... You know, the Red Skull is intelligent, and he's definitely an enhanced being like Captain America, but I don't think physically we ever really consider him a match for Captain America. And then bringing in the fact that, you know, Crossbones underwent all of this training with Taskmaster and has become not only an expert martial artist, but an expert marksman as well. That's cool. And again, for the better part of his history, just completely human right and even even when he was shooting lasers at his face it was all because of corrupted terrigen mist and it was temporary though it was odd that it was lasers out of his face like uh, power sets go that one was a weird one but don't you like cyclops <laughs> yes but that's specifically out of his eyes which i don't know i guess it makes sense but for it to come just out of his face i don't know it's just odd but it would have been well too much on the nose for him to just like explode himself or something listen we're not gonna talk about crossbones exploding okay <laughs> when we were talking about characters that got shafted with genesis uh i wanted to talk about crossbones but i knew we were going to be doing this character episode so i decided to hold on to my feelings in that moment mm. and why they wasted arguably one of the more important villains that we still had because you know they kind of maybe made us think that they were going to kill him off but then they just show him all burnt and crispy at the end of winter soldier um and then they then they bring him back only to immediately just let me launch him into the side of a building and blow him up. And I'm going to talk about this again when we talk about this film specifically, and I don't want to spoil the entirety of it. But why, Marvel? Why do you do this to me? I became a... I've been a fan of Frank Grillo for a long time, and when he was cast in a Marvel film, that was just A-OK -okay with me, and I was super excited about it. A lot of fans had thought that they were going to recast him as the Punisher because they'd seen him in films like The Purge. And then when they announced that he was going to be Brock Rumlow, and then I looked into who that character was, I was kind of excited about it. And then 
then they're like, okay, we're going to give you this um, kind of early impression. He's not, he doesn't have that, he doesn't have that iconic suit yet, but we're going to make it kind of tactical and kind of suggest it with the, you know, the straps in the front that are kind of crossed over his chest in an X. And we're going to introduce you to him as the man and then bring him back. And then they finally give us the whole black and white suit with the skull motif and the, you know, the armor and everything. And then they just, uh, you know, they say, hey, uh, we don't really need him outside of the first 10 minutes of this film, so let's just launch him into the side of a building and blow him up. That's cool, right? No, it wasn't cool. I'm still not over it. Why do you do this to me? Oof. I mean, he does kind of just become plot MacGuffin at that point, right? He's th- His actions are what lead to the further breakdowns that we see in that movie. And we'll discuss that later, but you're right. It was waste. Again, Marvel has a terrible use of taking villains and basically one shotting them. You know, we get them for a movie, maybe a setup and a, a cameo in the next one. And then that's it. However, maybe, maybe we can find a way for him to come back. And I'm sure Grillo would love to come back. I mean, he's stated so, right? He has. Um, I don't think. I don't think he's hopeful for a live action reappearance because, or it's going to be so long until we talk about what if. So you know, let's just go ahead and say it. He makes a couple of animated appearances across What If when they go back to the Thor movie What If, and um, I think again during the zombies one. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but. And then we see him, of course, in uh, Endgame very briefly in an elevator scene that harkened back to my favorite elevator scene in film. Right. Yeah, but that, let's face it, that one really doesn't count. No. No, we see him for all of three and a half seconds, and uh, he's just Brock Romlow at that point. He's He hasn't become Crossbones yet because this is back in 2012 during the events of the Avengers. So at that point, he's just a Hydra sleeper agent. And... Um, yeah, it what what doesn't make sense to me is instead of throwing him into the building to blow up, could he not have just distracted Cap with the line of "Hey, your buddy Bucky," and then like hit a switch and blown up something in that building to achieve the same goal without wasting the actor and the villain? I mean, that would have required an immense amount of setup and foreknowledge. If I remember the events of the movie right, they ended up stopping that convoy there. Like, they weren't planning to be there. So if Rumlow had had bombs planted in that particular building at that particular time... That's fair. It would have been... Even bigger movie shenanigans. Yeah, like, just how much coincidence do you need? Now, they could have set it up further. Like, uh, maybe it was the whole point was to drive the Avengers here and then blow the building up. Like, okay, it requires stepping back a lot of what happened in those 10 minutes to make it so that Rumlow survives. Either way, um, not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) They, they did try to kind of suggest the enhancement because in, you know, in his first appearance in the MCU, he's just a guy. And while Grillo packed on about 30, 40 pounds of muscle for the role, he still, I don't think ever broke 200 pounds. And in the comics, Man's is quite large. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is six foot four 
and 290 pounds. And um, I've included a little image in my show notes. Psych, do you want to describe what you're seeing? Because this is pretty much what Rumlow is. I am seeing a mountain of a man who looks like he'd take me and snap me in half. <laughs> so yeah, who is this? This is Brock Lesnar. Yes, another famous Brock. He's famous as a heavyweight in the UFC. He became champion. And then he also had a long run in the WWE as a professional wrestler. So we're ta- we're talking about a big dude. And our guy Brock Rumlow is said to be just a little bit bigger by one inch and three pounds. Right. Man. I mean, yeah. Uh, all kudos to, to Grillo, but Grillo don't look like this. No, and they, they gave him the armor and the boots and they kind of tried to beef him up because I think... In that out in that suit with the armor, he was probably about six two or six three. Grillo is not a tall guy. He's like five nine, five ten, and natural frame, probably walking around at like one fifty five, one sixty five ish. Like not a huge dude naturally, very lean. Um, so yeah, he definitely had to bulk up a bit for this role, and it was um, good dedication to see. But uh, he's definitely fitting the role of big comic book villain um big sidekick villain uh goon with you know the mountain shoulders a la tom hardy yeah yeah so this is a bit of a shameless plug but uh have you ever played marvel strike force i have i downloaded okay. it briefly <laughs> <laughs> well you would hate crossbones in it because he's basically a voltorb <laughs> uh <laughs> he's got a big, big ultimate ability is self-explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... When uh, it's your time, it's your time. And sometimes you just gotta go. And then taking you with me. Basically. Unfortunately, because he was one of the first characters in uh, Strike Force, he is now vastly just underpowered. And so his, his little uh, explosion ability just doesn't cut it these days. But, so he's really sacking himself for just about nothing. Oh, my poor guy. <laughs> so Crossbones just can't catch a break. I, I own just about every piece of merch for Crossbones, and he still has to share shelf space with all of my Captain America stuff, because there's not enough of it to fill a whole shelf when I own literally all of it. Wow. Yeah. You, you was a big fan. All right. Well, I mean, Captain America has uh, permeated, like, every surface of my home, so... (laughs) You know. (laughs) And it makes sense that my favorite villain would come from the Captain America rogues gallery. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, shall we go into our mid-break? I think now is a good time to roll into our mid-break. All right. Welcome to the MCU Med Break. If you've stuck with us for this long, thank you very much. We re- really appreciate it. And we have a Patreon. You, are, you know, if you're wanting to get in on the action and talk with us, we have a tier four that's open and waiting for people to hop in. If you can't support us financially, which is very understandable in these times, you can also send us a review via Apple, which we will read any five star review. Uh, or just review us on Spotify or any of your other catchers that allow for reviews at this time. 
We'll read out any of those reviews during the mid-break and shout you out. Yep. And speaking of all this fighting and whatnot, Shanko, I believe you do talk about this elsewhere, right? I do. Uh, Well, we have a special fight episode coming up for the holiday season. Uh, But if you want to hear all about fighting in general... I am the host of The Fight Space, which is my martial arts podcast. Having a really great time working on that, bringing all of the news from the martial arts community and breaking down some historical fights and fighters and even film, music, philosophy, and all that jazz. So check me out there if you're interested in martial arts. Again, that's The Fight Space. Nice. Yeah, where else can we find you? You can find me on the Mass Effect Blue Shift. It's a tabletop RPG podcast where we play Citadel security agents solving crimes on the Citadel, utilizing the fate system, the fudge dice versus a you know your standard D20s. And I play dashing human agent Jack Parizo. We'll have just launched episode four at the timing of this episode, so you should check that out. It was a lot of fun to record that episode. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for the mid-break, so let's get back to Crossbones. Right. So so just some basic comic book info. Like we mentioned in the Winter Soldier episode, you know, uh, he was in Captain America 359 and with a full appearance in number 360. So it was a cameo and then a full appearance. Mm-hmm. That's going to be in the Bloodstone Hunt series. I believe it's three, uh, part three of six for his cameo and part four of six for his full appearance. And my one of my other favorite villains, Batroc, and a bunch of other Captain America rogues are searching for the... Um, guess the like the rib or the chest piece of, of uh ulysses bloodstone they're not searching for like the bloodstone no oh, it's it so it was embedded in his chest so they're looking for a piece of bone with a, with a super special shiny rock in it so that's where brock at the time he even though he has had I, i've mentioned this gripe before but he, at this time, he still had the skull motif and the crossbones on his chest, but he was not yet crossbones. He was just Bingo Brock or Brock or Frag. He had a bunch of weird names before uh, the Red Skull grew a big brain and said, you know, with the skull mask and the bones on your chest, you know, I'm going to call you crossbones. Yeah, real hard there. And this, this is the guy that dates your daughter. Johan Schmidt, how do you feel about that? And, I mean, he's had plenty of time in the comics, though. I wouldn't have put him in any of the A-list positions, would you? Not typically. He's kind of been a part of several teams. Like, he had a run in the Thunderbolts. He was a part of the Skeleton Crew. And he's also kind of dipped in and out of a bunch of different Captain America storylines. The two that come to mind are The Hunt for the Bloodstone and The Streets of Poison, both of which are series that I own in comic book form. They're literally sitting in a closet in a box, and I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) So 
definitely um Captain America is one of the one of the couple of books that I was collecting at one point and the ones that I have retained up to this point. And um I, I always enjoyed seeing Crossbones because I knew that there was probably gonna be a a big fight to follow. Uh, he's always trying to go toe to toe with Captain America. Right. Um and then he gets really catapulted, I'd say, up to the front lines in the comic Civil War. First one, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the exception to his B-list status because, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> Crossbones plays a big role in the death of Captain America while Cap is being led up to trial. And it's revealed in one of the novels... And it's probably mentioned somewhere in the books. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. But Captain America's suit, he was given a suit for the trial that was basically just what you always think of as superhero suits, which is spandex and, and like cotton. It was a fake suit, basically. So he still looked like Captain America, but it wasn't the, uh, I think in the comics, adamantium weave suit that uh, would have protected him from a sniper shot from one Brock Rumlow. Crossbones. So Crossbones steps into the A-list by assassinating Captain America. Yeah, you want to take your shot at the top, you know, that's how you do it. And I guess in the, in the, in the villain's world, at least. Mm -hmm. And it's so, uh, I remember this, reading it, because uh, they show Crossbones behind the sniper and he goes, you know, I've been waiting a long time for this. And I enjoyed that they brought that over to film but again, the Civil War adaptation was... We will discuss Civil War during Civil War. Where's the flavor? It's <laughs> the essence. I mean, look, adapting what is in... I mean, we've had several crossovers since then. Uh, I'm not familiar with every single crossover in comics yet. I'm getting there. But adapting what is arguably one of the worst crossover events in comic book history and getting a meh adaptation for it on the big screen i'll take it they could have tried to be more accurate that have been worse yeah yeah and i think they were also curtailed by the fact that they didn't have access to the fantastic four and you know a bunch of other stuff too just the the other properties that they just weren't able to use did not help because i mean the fantastic four had Quite a big role to play in Civil War. We're going to talk about it probably some more in depth during the Civil War episode. Yeah, I've got, I've got notes started already. But we're talking crossbones. So what is it your notes say here? He's uh, making time with one Cynthia Schmidt. Yeah, so he is um, a little bit too cozy. With the daughter of the Red Skull. And in case anyone's wondering, yeah, she went off and burnt her face off just like her dad. Yeah, she's um, unhinged. They are more or less the Marvel equivalent of Joker and Harley Quinn, but with slightly less uh, domestic abuse. Only slightly. And I would say less, like, maniacal laughter. That too. <laughs> But the uh, over-the-top crazy on part of Sin and the definite evil of Crossbones. Not exactly a 
healthy couple. Yeah. And Sin, Sin kicks off, or uh, I don't know if kicks off, but definitely gets heavily involved with another crossover event. Um, one that's kind of meh overall, but it's called the Fear Itself storyline, where Odin has a long forgotten brother and he brings forth these uh, hammers of fear and people pick them up and become avatars of fear. And anyway, Sin tries to take like major charge of that whole fiasco. And right there at her side is Crossbones. So when I say that I have tried to own every piece of merch for Crossbones, and I have a lot for Captain America just simply because there's volume of that. I have a bunch of the Hero Clicks series, and one of the ones that I have specifically that I had to hunt for just a little bit was the Sin and Crossbones figure. They have a couple's card and figure for the Hero Clicks game. Wow. Okay, like, look, I, I knew this relationship was a thing, but I didn't think it was that much of a thing. Yeah, and then in the novel adaptation of Civil War that I have somewhere, they wait, go wait, wait, like, wait. yes, there is a novelization of Civil War based the on the comic, comic. or the movie? No, based on the comic. What? It goes... How did I not know this? So it goes, it's not official, but it's like, also, it's it's um partnered with Marvel, I guess, so... It, the, the licensing with it is weird, but it's basically intense fan fiction following Civil War in a published novel format that you can purchase at Barnes & Noble. Okay. If I still have it, listen, if I still have it, I think I do. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm holding <laughs> early Christmas presents. <laughs> uh, they go into depth about the relationship between Sin and Crossbones Way more than I wanted to know. Oh, okay. Should we invite Genesis to read it too? If we were gonna, yes, we'll have story time with Genesis. That will be my episode for the holidays. Just um, in a pro pro Marvel story time with Genesis. We're also gonna talk about the Quicksilver Scarlet Witch thing that we don't want to talk about. Jk. Oh my god. Can can we not? Can can we just not? No, never. Please no. Disgusting. Yeah, there, mm, there were missteps made at Marvel, and then there are leaps off a cliff, like a lemming. Anyway, back to Crossbones. We, uh, we are channeling the spirit of Genesis with our tangents tonight. I mean, it's all related, and I needed to understand that there was a novelization of one of the worst comic book crossover events in history. Yeah, and they spent like a whole two pages describing a makeout sesh between uh, these two parties. So clearly, they think that that relationship is extremely important. Wow, when when Nazis meet, uh, a Dateline special. <laughs> God, we're also talking about bald Brock at this point too. Like homie's skinhead bald well, under that yeah, mask. Isn't that like step one? <laughs> Uh, he has hair at some points during the comics. It, I meant to become a Nazi. But that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> at least he didn't burn off his face. Oh, wait. No. No. Isn't this after his... No, this is before his corrupted carriage and mist event, which actually did burn his face. Hmm. Laser beams coming out of your face cause external damage. Who would have thought? Yeah. 
So glad they decided not to continue that. But anyway, so let me ask you, I guess as a final question, what future do you hope for Crossbones? MCU or comics or both? We've got plenty of time here. So just because they've mm, killed them off, Marvel, why? Um, it's kind of hard to predict where the future could lead for the character of Crossbones, simply because, at least in the main line, if they continue to do extended universe stuff, that might be a different thing entirely. But, you know, he's he's dead in in the main continuity, and unless we go back in time, there's not going to be a whole lot of opportunity to see it. And I'm kind of disappointed about it, because I think... Grillo brought a grit to the character. They, uh, I think in the very brief appearance we see him in in Civil War, we get probably the best essence of the character of Crossbones just on, you know, how his speech patterns work out and the lines that they give him to say, as well as the fight with Captain America where he is going blow for blow with him. As far as where I think he could go, I know they're doing the Thunderbolts and Crossbones was a part of that team I know that there is almost no way that they could make it work out unless they movie movie magic him to survive exploding a building with his, you know, new enhancements. Because, you know, when Widow tries to shock him with the Widow's Bites, he goes, oh, I don't work like that anymore. So they might try to movie magic him to where his enhancements allowed him to survive the explosion. Highly doubtful considering we haven't seen him back in film or an end credit scene or in the extended uh, you know, in the extended universe. So as far as movies go, I think he's more or less dead in the water, and as much as I'd love to see Grillo back to play him, I don't think there's much he can do. We've seen him come back as just Brock Rumlow a couple of times in the What If series, and again, his very small cameo in Endgame, like his five seconds in an elevator. <laughs> so, yeah... And as far as the comics go, I don't even really know exactly what they're doing with him in the comics right now. Um, Psych, do you know what he's up to in the comics at the moment? He spent some time in Pleasant Hill, which is basically uh, Marvel went all, you know, Pleasant Valley for like a few issues. And they had a bunch of uh, rehabilitated villains living in this minimum security mind wipe prison where they it uh became peep you know citizens of pleasant hill they they got mind wiped basically and were turned into mild mannered uh bowling eight you know bowling alley manager or whatever so uh, i want to see frank grillo's brock rumlow facial burns and all with the like the the bowling shirt button up with the horrible pattern on it and some and and then uh cap walks up to him and is like you know i'll, I'll take a size 12 <laughs> i mean cap was actually at pleasantville and that's what kind of like woke crossbones up and thus allowed him to escape uh during the aftermath of the events of pleasant hill and he went off to uh create a new version of hydra with red skull and his girlfriend so it's a family project. Oh, no. <laughs> the newlyweds and their and their father-in-law. 
The Red Skull-in-Law. Alright, that's what I want. I want a WandaVision-esque TV series of Brock Rumlow and Cynthia Schmidt. And then I want them to bring back Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull, but just as Hugo Weaving, not with all the makeup. No. Anyway, that's kind of what he's been up to. He's still alive and kicking. And I would say you're probably not, like, embracing your comic book baddiness enough here. So, in Civil War, right, he is being lifted up and contained by Wanda at the time, right? So, you've got all that wild magic happening literally around him as his bomb goes off. You could say instead that the explosion and her magic, like, did something and shunted him through time... And he skips the blip and he appears in Wakanda like seven years after the events of Civil War, right? Boom. Done. There he is. Like, hey, Marvel, you, you need a writer? <laughs> <laughs> they could, uh, I mean, he's really badly burned. They're like, oh, we don't know who this, who this like white boy is. Let's scrape him off the pavement and save him. Yeah, basically. And then re-enhance him and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> we just, we just, um injected a ton of vibranium into this not good dude but now he escaped precisely like yeah crossbones escape from wakanda (laughs) but there you go it's a survive it's a survival style show a la um man versus wild or i was thinking like we can totally go like fully fugitive with it right only you know the fugitive actually is a very bad guy needs to be brought to justice (laughs) but you're rooting for him the whole time Crossbones being a neo-Nazi who literally sleeps with the daughter of a Nazi who in and of herself is a Nazi. And all they want to do is bring about world domination via Hydra. I don't know. Crossbones doesn't make my top 10 list. I don't even know if he makes my top 20 list. I mean, that's fair considering he's a B-list villain, uh, even within the Captain America lines, other than, like we said, the one glaring exception i mean he's very rarely stood on his own you know he's been on the thunderbolts he had all of those additional characters to kind of prop him up and then with the skeleton crew more or less the same again with hydra he usually plays second fiddle to red skull and then with his relationship with sin he's got all of that (laughs) so very rarely on his own um One of my favorite scenes in the comics occurs when Crossbones crosses paths with Deadpool. (laughs) He's given a contract to assassinate Deadpool, which goes about as well as you'd expect. Yeah, badly. Yeah. Um, At one point, Deadpool catches his pants on fire, Crossbones' pants on fire, and he just reaches down and rips them off and continues to fight Deadpool in his tidy whities (laughs) Cannon. Crossbones wears tiny whiteies. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, You're welcome for the visual. Yeah, I nope, I'm good. And we're going to move right along to a different visual. Um, You also have listed here that at some point he impersonated Logan. Uh, That would be Wolverine. Six foot four, 290 pounds. <laughs> How does anyone believe that? Like, you take one look at, if anyone knows who Logan is, you take one look at Crossbones trying to be him, and you're like, look, bro, you're about a foot too tall. It's like, I could maybe buy it if you were trying to be Colossus, 
but all we'd have to do is ask you to turn into metal, and when you can't do it, well, your facial laser beams aren't going to save you. There's a guy on our team who does more or less the same thing, but way more efficiently. <laughs> and so much cooler. But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I, I would love to know what story that was, because anyone who's going to believe that is just, it is in comic book universe, anyone is going to believe that a six foot four guy is going to be able to impersonate a man who is legendarily known for being five two. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to do. I'd like to know, uh, but I don't, or whatever. I would believe uh, Frank Grillo pretending to be Hugh Jackman before I would believe Brock Rumlow in the comics pretending to be comic book Logan. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In film, it would work. Well, in film, we managed to make however tall um, Jackman is. At least they tried at one point to keep him short and then they they just gave up at some point. But yeah, yeah, I'd believe Grillo trying to impersonate Hugh Jackman well over the other. Hey, Marvel, now you know what we want to see. That's where I want to see Crossbones go. I want to see Frank Grillo pretending to be Hugh Jackman's Logan. I mean, hey, you've got Deadpool 3. Maybe, you know, Grillo can. Uh... That's where he pop. That's where he pops out. After Wanda kind of blows him up, her magic poofs him into Deadpool. There you go. Done. See? Full circle. So it's not actually Hugh Jackman. <laughs> it's Frank Grillo pretending to be Hugh Jackman. Alright, well, on that note, I think we have talked enough crossbones for one night. you have any final thoughts here, Shenko? I don't. I still have more feelings, but I'm, I'm not able to fully express them until we're able to talk about Civil War because there is a little bit more crossbones that we need to cover, despite what I've said here tonight. Because I still have feelings about all that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm excited to continue um, talking about the movies, and I'm also excited about the holidays coming up, so any special plans for all that? Um, for us, next week is your solo episode on fights, yeah? Yes, it is. I'm... I'm definitely looking forward to that. We're going to find a couple of good scraps to really break down and talk about. Cool. And then I've got comic book history the week after that. And then depending on patrons at the time, we might break off early for the holidays. Because let's face it, this this is all fun games, but it does come at a bit of a price. And the holidays is a time to be spending with your family. Mm-hmm. So maybe we take take a little extra time off and we come back after the new year. We'll see. I think we both have a lot of family obligations to meet during the holidays and I don't think I don't I don't think that it'll be a bad thing, but I I also I would love to have a patron chat as well before the holidays cuz that would oh, be, yeah. that would be a good bit of fun too. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh you know, one way or the other and we'll keep you well informed as we move forward into the holiday through the holidays here. But on that note, Uh, Happy holidays, everyone, and... Night, everyone. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work 
and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network for hosting and mentoring. In 7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork. Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music. Our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this. And you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And to quote Stan the Man, enough said. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.